Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My greatest bit in Boston was convincing everyone I was a Carson Kuhlman stan. (laughs) Are you not really? So, like, it it just became a thing. Every time Kuhlman would play, everyone would just, like, tweet at me about it. So I'd have to, like, engage with all this Carson Kuhlman (laughs) content. But it was because, like, during the Cup Final in 2019, I was on the radio at some point, and they were asking me about, like, David Backus, and I just kind of went off of, like, I would personally just play Carson Kuhlman instead. I don't know. And the next game, <laughs> Kuhlman came in, and he scored a goal in Game 6, and everyone was kind of like, oh, you called it. And I'm like, I just didn't want to see David Backus, to be totally honest, but then it just, like, <laughs> spiraled. So now every time, like, to this day, every time Carson Kuhlman plays, like, everyone lets me know about it. I'm like, all right, good for him. Welcome to uh, Kraken Brews, another another episode of Kraken Brews. Uh, this is the Brews and Bruins podcast, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehards and a tough listen, according to Drew's dad, a drinkable podcast you can taste. Um, today we have uh, Marissa and Jemmy, a uh, former <laughs> Bruins beat writer, current <laughs> Kraken beat writer. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Hey, good as ever. Yeah, uh, good. Yeah, been meaning to have you on for a while. You've been on the list, and of course, we waited until you left town. Um, <laughs> Fitting for us, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So first, we usually like to introduce drinks. Uh, oh, cool! All right. Would you like to go first? I have to open mine. Sure. So I really is... Like the sound effects there. <laughs> so what I have in my fridge. Uh, do I show it to the camera? Are we like actually on camera for real? Uh, no, we I, oh. we used to do video, but then I got a full time job. Yeah, and... Drew got a job. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. Some mood. Yeah, so did I. Um, yeah, so this is uh, a blackberry hard cider from a brewery in Oregon, um, and I really like them lately. And I keep getting it at the bars, and then they had them at a grocery store, so now I have it at home. All right. It's very exciting. Accessible cider is very important. We uh we definitely appreciate that here. Uh, there's a lot of cider in. C- I mean, there's a lot of just like alcohol here, but there's a lot of cideries. Which is, there's like this whole like pear cidery, which is Ooh. wild. I went to this like this uh, like brewery festival thing about a month ago, and they had like a stand for all these breweries, and there was one that was just pears, and they had like pumpkin pear, watermelon oh, pear. Wow. It was like really good too, but. Um, that's, it's huge up here. 
Wow. We got a uh, pretty good craft beer scene here, and I'm in Portland, Maine, but uh, the cider scene is getting bigger. Uh, I have not seen any pear ciders, though, so I'll have to, maybe I can pioneer that one out here. I've never seen that anywhere before. This is a blackberry cider, but the same company makes this one that I get, like, every week at the one bar I go to trivia at that's called, like, grapefruit chili cider, and it's, like, unbelievable. They have Hell some. Yeah. Uh, they have some like blueberry ciders and blueberry beers out here, just because it's that's Maine. extremely Maine. But, yeah. yeah, but they just started doing those, and I, I'm liking them a lot. So I, 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 I know I sat here saying I'm in Portland. I keep forgetting that Drew's here with me now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say welcome. If, to if I yell loud enough, you might be able to hear me from yeah across downtown. <laughs> there you go. Were you the one who was weed whacking outside my bedroom at 8:30 this morning? Because that yeah. wasn't great if it was. Yeah, you know, I was, I was. Getting a good deed done plus annoying the fuck out of you. So that was, that was <laughs> two, good deeds, two birds, yeah. one stone. Very nice. Um, I also have a cider that I got today that I'm excited to try on the pod, but I, I also stopped at a brewery. So I'm doing the beer now. I'll do the cider later. Uh, spoiler alert for the eventual cider. It's a apple cider donut style cider. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued to try that. Um very Tune in on Friday if you're, if you're interested in hearing about that one. But today, I have a Terrarium IPA from Bunker Brewing Company um, right here in Portland, right down the street from me, actually. I've only been there once, which was for a Sea Dogs game. I rolled over there for a pregame beer and grilled cheese, which was a great decision. Um, but yeah, I tasted out a couple of the lagers today, as well as this IPA. Decided to take the IPA home with me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, on the bitter side, a little bit of depth to it, but kind of crispy too. Um, definitely a, a, a good IPA, kind of classic, what you'd expect out of an IPA. Um, drinkability on this, I'm going to say it's about a, about a 17 out of 37 taste, probably a 30 out of 37. I give it on that one. 37 right on. is like very, uh, specific. Very yeah. arbitrary until... <laughs> Patrice Patrice Bergeron's yeah, number. <laughs> yeah. Everything the, our life is just all through the lens of Patrice Bergeron pretty much. It's, it's yeah. kind of how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still yeah, trying to get him to take that ancestry.com test to prove that he's my father, but I was going to say it could be Yanni Gord, but did Yanni Gord change his number when he moved to No, see he's 37. It's actually least. funny because like they Kraken don't really have like a top line a lot of the time. They rotate a lot, but like wherever Gord plays, that's the highest offensive upside line, right? So like it, it was thinking about the other day of like each team I've covered, like their top center is number 37 and how that's <laughs> wild. <laughs> All right, Drew, what do you got? I've been I, I've been waiting most of the week, like like four days. That's over half the week to try this. Drew, it's um, Monday. <laughs> Okay, well, is it Monday? a week is seven days, so the past anyway. It's Saturday in my book, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a down east, and you know how I Ooh. like my down east ciders, but it is a double blend, so it's got double that that good alcohol, and well, maybe not double the alcohol content. That would be like <laughs> eleven, which would not be good. I think it's uh, what the hell? I'm sorry, I thought it was like seven, seven <laughs> and a half. Great podcast. <laughs> I was looking so forward to it that I figured, you know what, I'll figure it out later and shout out to Chris's. <laughs> Just do it by taste. That apple cider donut one was also down east. They've been hitting with some good ciders lately. Wow, it tastes just like a regular like down east, but which is makes me it's six point nine percent. 
Okay. Nice. Alcohol, their usual is nice, five nice. or five point one seven. I think they put because um, you know they always get it that accurate. Did you shake it up like I did last time and almost exploded <laughs> it on my? Yeah. See, so you just you gotta give it a once over. It's just a one shake. Yeah. It's I like mean, if you if you have like a maraca, you go and that's all you do. But anyway, imagery here at the Brews and Brews podcast. Um, <laughs> drinkability. I'm gonna go with a. 28 out of 37 because i was really expecting it to be like a little harder to drink than it is because it's double but double blend and then uh tasteability 37 out of 37 you can always taste down oh, east cider yeah uh so i have one of my favorite beers perhaps my current favorite beer um we have a great liquor store down the street and i'm not going to reveal what it is just in case there are some san diego people listening and want to steal my beer but they always have like one four pack of this beer every time I go there. It's a limited series from Duckfoot that was from spring 2018. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how they keep getting these beers, but um, it's called Secret Spot Hazy IPA. Um, and it's pretty delicious. You know, now that you've mentioned it, you're never going to be able to get it again. Oh, yeah, I definitely drink the final it. ride. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, like, one of the highest drinkability IPAs I've ever had. We're going 35 with that. Um, it's somewhere, it's like mid 6%, but it just like, it's really smooth. Um, and then tasteability, it's like, it's got a little bit of bitterness to it, but it's also just really juicy. You got like uh, some mango tangerine kind of deal going on. Just absolutely delicious. We're going to go with 32 tasteability. Very nice. All right, so people listen to this. Can you believe this, Marissa? Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, like willingly, though, is the thing. <laughs> That's There's the something for everyone, you know? <laughs> so People enjoy bad podcasts. What do you mean? I think that, that'd be a great review for our podcast. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's something for everyone. Yeah, why not? <laughs> not necessarily uh, <laughs> me, but... <laughs> so we mentioned off the top, you recently moved to Seattle to cover the Kraken, among other things in Seattle for the Times. Um, how's the move been? Good. I've been here three months now. It feels like longer, but also like I just got here. Um, I don't really know what to make of time. Um, it's just like the season now. So that's the entirety of my life. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's good to be back doing hockey beat writing again. I really missed it. And Seattle's just about the coolest place I've ever been to. So um, yeah, good all around. Yeah, I, I relate very hard to the uh, to your tweets about people saying just wait until it starts raining. And you're like, well, it's been raining and I love it. Like, so. what do you think? Like, also, it's like very well known. I'm from Boston. Like, do you think I've never seen bad weather before? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does rain every day here. Like, people were not exaggerating, but it's also not like off putting. It's just is. I'm kind of convinced that, like, the whole it always rains in Seattle narrative is just, like, something that everyone in Seattle agreed upon to, like, keep it from becoming overcrowded. It's actually true. It does rain every day. Like, it surprised me, too. But, like, it has been literally every day. Wow. Well, what do you know? I I will say. Or is that what they want you to say? Yeah. No, no. It was, like, a whole, like, so when I got here, it was still, like, kind of summer and it was really nice. And then, like, the second it wasn't anymore, every day. I, I will say one of the like you're not allowed to complain things about living in San Diego is that it never rains, um, and I do miss the rain, but I'm not allowed to complain about that, I guess. Um, so I, I did I did want to talk to you about the Kraken because uh, 
we're Bruins and Pride podcast, but also we we like to talk about the NHL as well. And we did do a little bit. Of, we we had fun with it. I mean, expansion teams like that's just such a fun thing. I think mm-hmm. anybody who plays like NHL video games or even you know other sports video games, um, you know, you get to draft your own team, and like that's that's just like a fun fantasy to have. And I mean to to get to you know go through those all those projections and things and then have it finally happen. Like that's really cool. And we, we covered that to an extent, but um, just wondering from your perspective, what it's like seeing it come to fruition and what it's been like, because there's not a whole lot to measure it up against except for, you know, Vegas who has set these really unrealistic expectations. And otherwise you just have this kind of like conglomeration of players and you don't really know how they're going to work together. Yeah. Like, We've been trying to compare them to Vegas a little bit because it's literally the only thing in front of us. But it's also impossible, too, because things are different. Like, GMs knew better this time around. Seattle's a different place than Vegas. Um, Different front office, different approach, different players available to them. There's a pandemic now, and there wasn't before. Like, um, Seattle was more of a sports city than Vegas was. Like, that was kind of the tip of the iceberg for Vegas becoming, like, a major league sports city where they've already had years of teams being bad here before. So... Like it's, it's just a different animal, but it's the only thing in front of us. So like they picked the team like two days after I got hired (laughs) and then I moved here like three weeks after that. So it's been kind of like the team has been what it is since I've got here a little bit, but um, it is also coming together in different ways. Like Colin Blackwell hadn't played until a couple days ago. Um, They have basically the whole team in front of them now, except for Mason Appleton. And they haven't had that before. So it's kind of the first time we're seeing like everyone together a little bit. Um, But it's interesting too, because like, there's nothing really to measure them up against except for Vegas. They're like, even if they turn things around, they're obviously not Vegas. Like, and anyone who thought they would be, that was kind of unrealistic anyways. Um, But at the same time, it's hard to compare them to previous expansion teams too, because it's different. It's not like when Columbus and Minnesota entered the league, it's just a different time. So you can't really compare it to that either. It's really just its own entity. Like the Kraken are what they are. Like, and I don't mean that from an on ice product, just like it stands alone, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, so I guess one of the things like, I haven't watched them really play any games except for uh, I watched on opening night. Mm-hmm. Um, but my just from looking at box scores, my reading is that, uh, you know, they went out and drafted a bunch of like good defensive defensemen and uh, really tried to shore up their goalies. And I think the plan was to try and figure out the offense and then hold teams down. But uh, that doesn't seem like it's been the way that it's gone. But like you said, they haven't really had the whole crew together. Is that kind of, is it not what you were expecting? Yeah, I don't really know what I was expecting. I definitely didn't expect Philip Grubauer to have like worst or next to the worst, like save percentage in the league and everything going on there. Like that's kind of been like lately, like I feel like we've all collectively kind of not wanted to acknowledge like the goaltending as the issue, but it's getting to a point where like maybe that is what's up because like, yeah, they don't have the top scoring, but like Everly has eight goals and he's been playing like one of the best players in the league lately. Like Yanni Gordy, look at some of his analytics and it's like, that's a damn good player. Um, they have other guys who have played really well, like Brandon Tanev, Jared McCann's like, looks like, I mean, his career, like every year he's gotten better and it seems like he's doing that again. Like they have some guys there. Um, and I kind of thought going into the year, people were undervaluing a little bit the scoring they had. Like you would like to see more of a finish there. But given the way they built the team to be defensive based and goaltending based, 
you didn't think they would have to go into games and score five goals. They aren't built for that, but like who is like they're losing these games, like five to three, they gave up seven goals to the ducks. Like no matter who, how many scores you have on a team, like you don't want to be playing in those kind of games anyways. So um, I don't really look at scoring as your issue right now. Like the first few games, you were giving up so many high danger chances, but like going into tonight's Monday, I believe, but going into tonight, they had the fourth fewest um, high danger chances allowed now. So they really shored that up really fast. They did a great job addressing that. And that's kind of like a Dave Haxtell team. They generally don't give up those type of chances, like in the slot and everything. That was an abnormality early. They figured that one out. And now it's just started to become like they're giving up goals at bad times. And some of that has been lapses. Like they had three periods in a row where they gave up a goal with less than a minute left, like against Arizona and Vegas. They did it again against Minnesota the other night. Like, that's the problem with lapses, but like, man, you could use a big save here and there too. So like it, it's starting to get to a point where it's like, yeah, they have these issues. Are they enough issues where they should be four, 10 and one right now? I'm not sure. Like this is a, a team where you get a couple saves, you get a couple bounces. They have like six or seven wins. So they're in a weird spot because the schedule is getting tougher. They're already falling so far behind. It starts to become like, how do they even get out of this? And, and there are some fixes in front of them, but if they don't address all of them, like I, I don't really know anymore. It, it's weird to hear a record like four, ten, and one where the Bruins, I think, have played like three games. Also, yeah, the <laughs> Bruins are two, <laughs> and, two, one, and Bruins, I'm like not a real NHL team anymore. <laughs> no, they're they're a college team who only play weekends, so uh, <laughs> they can't find know. enough Charlies to fill a whole roster. Yeah, the the pride Probably, uh, yeah. just eclipsed them over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> no, <laughs> seems like I honestly up. I would have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is like a, kind of interesting. You know, like we joke about how you know the Bruins have hardly played, and we've had conversations the last couple of weeks about how it's been hard for the Bruins to find momentum because of that weird schedule. And then you know we're like, oh, we have all these new faces with Krejci gone and all these changes to the lineup, and you compare that to what Seattle's going through as an organization, where it is literally entirely new faces and it's a, it's a new product completely. So. Um, I think maybe Bruins fans can kind of empathize with that a little bit and, and try to imagine how much difficult that would be if it were a completely new roster of people who have never played together or very few have played together before. So that's an, an interesting thing to kind of compare, I think. Yeah, I mean, I feel like chemistry has kind of been there for the crack in a bit. I was talking to uh, Vince Dunn yesterday about just like when you guys feel comfortable. And he was like, well, I hope like by now we do. Um, and that's kind of been the mentality like – from a few guys I've talked to about it. And you can see some chemistry. Like, I think that like Eberle and Schwartz, like they were made to be on the same line together. Like they play so well together. Um, like um, Kanev, like does so well, kind of like anywhere he's at. I really like Alexiak and Giordano as a pair. Like um, I love Hayden Fleury playing in the lineup when they decide to play him. Like um, I really like a lot of the pieces they have and you can see the chemistry, like the passing is there. They do a great job with your, there's no entries that doesn't come if you don't know where a guy is going to be. So I feel like that's kind of been there, but yeah, that is a challenge. Like, but like you said, like every team, like the Bruins have a bunch of new guys too. Like every team kind of goes through it to an extent. So I feel like they weren't as worried about that as like we might've talked about, um, it is just a matter of the timing right now, like not giving up the big goal, not giving up a breakaway late in a period, like stuff like that's what's been costing them more than anything. Yeah. I mean, so you, you mentioned the Bruins have a, a bunch of new guys and I feel like that's probably a good transition over to the, to the Bruins. Um, 
won't ask you too many specific questions about recent games or anything because who knows when people are listening to this and I don't know how your availability to watch Bruins games, but um, just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the the offseason moves and how you think they have panned out so far versus your expectations, um, adding guys like Eric Halla, uh, Nick Foligno, um, Thomas Nosek, um, Derek Forbort, um, those guys have been in the lineup uh, pretty consistently with the exception of Foligno has been injured a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, they, we've had a, a decent sample size to see them play and it's been kind of mixed results. Yeah. I haven't gotten to see as many Bruins games as I want to, cause they're like in the middle of the day out here and I'll just be like existing. And then I'll be like, the Bruins are playing like that's wild. Um, but like, I really questioned a four-board acquisition. I was kind of like, what's up with that? And then he's on with McAvoy, and I'm like, that's super weird. But apparently, like, the analytics love him. So I, I like, all right, sure. Like, I just like saying Derek Forbord, so that's fine. Yeah, we call um, him Derek Forsbrand on this uh, podcast because <laughs> that's what uh, Drew thought his name was. <laughs> and then Felino's um, one of those guys who just feels like was supposed to be a Bruin, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, there are these guys throughout the league. Like, Craig Smith was one of them, too, before they got him, where it's like, oh, that's a guy who, like, is going to be on the Bruins, or he has been. So, like, that felt like a good fit. Um, the big question for me, and I guess probably for everyone in Boston, I would assume, is just, like, what's it going to look like long-term without Krejci? Um, and because, like, I just go back to, like, when I was covering the Bruins, obviously, and was following them a lot more. Every time Krejci didn't play, it just felt like everything fell apart. It felt like he was such the glue to that group, and now he's not there. Like, what's that going to be long-term? What's that going to be like in the playoffs? It's also, like extremely funny to me and i and i an ironic way that like they finally got like taylor hall they got someone to play there and then he's gone <laughs> like just very a very anticlimactic ending to that whole saga um yeah the bruins seem like from a distance like extremely kind of weird to me yeah i think that would be echoed here um especially when you consider like pretty much what you said the stability they've had over the last decade really like everybody talks about that first line and patrice bergeron and, and brad martian at this point for the last decade Pasternak more so over the last you know five six seven years but um it really has been crazy that holds things down below that and and we've talked about it before on the here about how much losing him is going to hurt and now we've seen it for the last couple of weeks but it is such a, a different year and then you, you tack on to Rast right now and who knows you know what's going to happen later on this season but it is definitely like a weird time to be a Bruins fan because you still have those old reliable pieces in in the Bergeron and the Marchands but we lost Zidane Ochara last year. We lost David Krejci this year. Right now we're Tuka Raskless. So it's it's those kind of staples that you've been used to seeing in black and gold for, you know, year after year after year that aren't there anymore. So it's definitely a, a different feel for sure. Yeah, I feel like I haven't been gone that long. And then I look at, like, their line chart and I'm just like, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A lot, of, a lot of new faces for sure. My first instinct is to be like, oh, like it feels like they have a lot of guys who are out. And then I'm like, oh, they just aren't there anymore. They're not on the team. Um, so that's like, just again, from afar, super weird. I saw like Tuka Rask kind of skated this week though. So that must be like polarizing for all of you guys there. Heavy air quotes, air quotes, free agents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can't, he can't do the big skates though. So. Um, <laughs> 
I think uh, Daryl Forsbrand is, is going to make up for the point production that they lost with Krejci. No, it's definitely a loss. There's like no way to slice it. Like, oh yeah, we got all this like these these nice depth players. It's like yeah, but now you got like, I mean, I love I love Charlie Coyle, but I mean, it's a downgrade from Krejci to have him on your second line. So no matter how you slice it, the team's worse. Uh, but I feel like the Bruins like historically lead the league and just like adding some guys. Yeah, yeah, just be like. Eh. <laughs> They work. Like um, some guy you've heard of is now on the team like every year. It just feels like, oh, and now for uh, Nick Felino, Like, sure, why not? I, I love having Nick Felino on the team. I was really happy about that signing. Um, but Daryl Forsbred more so. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think it's tough. And I think there's still – I mean, it's a mix of the dumb, dumb schedule of, hey, let's play three games in four days. Hey, let's not play for a week. Um and kind of these new faces, this new kind of depth that can kind of contribute to them having a shaky start, kind of a hot and cold uh, throughout the uh, very beginning of the season. But it is did now. Did I see a, a incorrectly? Did like was there like an Oscar scene sighting the other day? Yeah, he yeah, played. he played. There was. That must have been exciting. Yeah, I feel I like we were played. waiting for that forever, just like for him to get in. Yeah, he, he played pretty well too. I, I feel like anytime he plays, it's. I feel like I have a similar feeling about him as I have about Carson Coleman. Like they're both just like decent grinders who can like put the puck in the net. If you give them the opportunity. My greatest bit in Boston was convincing everyone. I was a Carson Coleman Stan. (laughs) Are you not really? So like it, it just became a thing every time Coleman would play, everyone would just like tweet at me about it. So I'd have to like engage with all this Carson Coleman content. But it was because, like, during the cup final in 2019, I was on the radio at some point, and they were asking me about, like, David Backus, and I just kind of went off of, like, I would personally just play Carson Kuhlman instead. I don't know. And the next game, <laughs> Kuhlman came in, and he scored a goal in game six, and everyone was kind of like, oh, you called it. And I'm like, I just didn't want to see David Backus, to be totally honest, but then it just, like, spiraled. So now every time, like, to this day, every time Carson Kuhlman plays, like, everyone lets me know about it. And I'm like, all right, good for him. <laughs> we'll make sure to let you know every time he plays. Yeah, you're only adding to the problem here. But I'm a right. I'm a big Coolman. Really funny. I'm, I love it. Like I hope Carson has a wonderful career. I'm a big Coolman <laughs> fan, so like I'll tweet about. But now now I'll at you and everyone of my Carson Coleman tweets. One time yeah. I talked to him about being a Minnesota Twins fan for a story I was going to do that I never got to do, um, but I just like have that forever. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not all do can say that. Re- right ready to go for when uh, for his Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he, when he retired, team with speaker. Yeah. Twins fans, I still have that audio somewhere. NHL <laughs> Network will do a, a feature on him, and, it, and it'll just be <laughs> that interview. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I, I I think I'm a, a convert, um, spelled with a K, uh, on Carson Kuhlman because he's. He he's coming this year and kind of he he hasn't played every game. He's been kind of a 50-50 guy, but I feel like every game he plays in, he I, I don't want to like echo like all the things that everyone's saying about him in the you know the press conferences. Like oh yeah, he plays so hard and everything, but I do feel like he just passes the eye test in terms of um, when he has the puck, he is creating opportunities or at least like doing something impressive with it where he's you're playing keep away or I feel like your team's never in a bad position when he's on the ice. Um, and, and I think, you know, Drew often talks about his two way game 
where I feel like that might get overlooked because he is kind of a smaller player, but he does play well on both ends of the ice. And I do get a lot of uh, like early day marshy vibes, like when he's when he's like deking people out. Yeah, my it's, favorite uh, part of his game, like it was um the beginning of the 1920 season, like right before he got injured, it felt like he was snake bitten. He had like a goal taken away, I think, in Arizona, maybe. And then like I think he had like two goals taken off the board and like hadn't scored any games and then he got hurt. But he like beat out like seven icings or something crazy. And it was just like <laughs> the most enjoyable thing to watch of just like he's gonna score someday, but until then, watch him beat out this icing. And I just found it really enjoyable. I'm telling you, he gives me Daniel Pie vibes sometimes and I love Daniel Pie was my dude too. Like oh, I, uh, I, I stand for Daniel Pie. Like I was ready to go to war for him. So I, the number twenty gonna be retired. <laughs> you know, I'm, so, I'm so bad at like number stuff like anytime the Bruins would bring in a guy with a number someone else used to have I would get very tripped up like it took a while like and I saw McAvoy play in college so I knew him really well but then like he'd be on the ice and I'm like Michael Ryder um <laughs> so every time Nordstrom played for a while I was like oh yes Daniel Paye and it was like what no what are you, what are you talking about um so Nordstrom and Paye are like linked forever to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh I recently went and did a deep dive on uh evolving hockey on like the 2011 Bruins and I have no idea how those stats kind of like advanced stats tra- translate to 2011 hockey or how well any of those things were were kept track of, but um from what I saw it looked like Daniel Pie was carrying that fourth line for sure. <laughs> High energy guy, good skater, couldn't, had no hands for his life. No matter where you put the puck, it wasn't going to go in the net, that's for sure. <laughs> Sounds like him, him and Brandon Carlo in that category. No, Carlo did <laughs> he scored last week, night. yeah. Brand, Brandon Carlo, famously a, an excellent skater. <laughs> Brandon scored have like a two-goal game one time? Yeah. I, I, I remember like good. writing a story one time being like very tongue-in-cheek of like elite Bruin scorer Brandon Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just every tweet I have, actually. But (laughs) yeah, he's actually going to pick up the point production for Krejci. He he had a really long pointless streak, and then whiffed on an empty netter. I believe was like the peak of Brandon Scorlo's scoreless career. We mentioned that in the uh, in the uh, Halloween episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> we mean Drew, yeah. <laughs> Drew um, wrote a poem for the Halloween episode. Don't listen to it. Yeah, it was no, all no. atrocious. Um, not to spend too much time talking about Carson Coleman, um, but just to kind of round that out, <laughs> which maybe we should, yeah, this is the Carson Coleman podcast. Uh, cracking Coleman into the lineup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have no threads left of our actual title, but uh, I do feel like not to not to set the bar too low, but um, I feel like he is one of those players that's very noticeable every time he plays. And you know, he's not going to fill in and plug that crazy or in like that with that kind of production. But I feel like out of those kind of bottom six forward groups, you want players who are you know you know when they're on the ice every night. And I feel like that's a knock that Jake DeBrusque heard a lot the last couple of years, where there were some games where he just really wasn't noticeable out there. And you know, obviously when he's playing at his peak. He is that kind of similar high energy, a little more offensive upside maybe, but you know that's that was kind of his issue was there were some games where he just looked flat, and I feel like you never have those issues with Carson Coleman. Every time he's out there, he may not be scoring a goal or even getting on the score sheet like that, 
but you can always tell he's playing and he's making an impact in some way. If he doesn't have it offensively that night, he is playing responsible defense. He is still creating energy for checking hard. So I feel like that's kind of the thing you want out of, especially a, a 2021 bottom sixer is just somebody who really is going to be noticeable out there and chip in on both ends of the night or on both ends of the ice from night to night. Heard it here first. Bench, uh, bench Jake DeBrusque, play Carson Coleman. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's no, Dr. I'm, I'm fully on board for the Jake DeBrusque. Uh, I don't even, it's not really a revenge tour if he was never there, but like finally <laughs> coming out into the, into the, into the sphere tour. Yeah, During scored the like whole like, expansion <laughs> speculation stuff, so many people were tweeting at me, the Bruin should leave DeBrusque unprotected and the Kraken should take him. And it was just like wild to me because I was like, yeah, like DeBrusque has struggled, but have you seen how many like high upside scoring young forwards that were on the Bruins are across the entire NHL now? Like maybe wait this one out. Also yeah. the argument that like, hey, the Bruins should definitely leave him exposed and Seattle should definitely take him kind of proves the argument of like he still has the upside. Like <laughs> that's why you want Seattle to take him. Yeah, well, he and has it. Arguing, like obviously needed Jeremy Lozon so badly anyways. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw him on highlight. Doing. He fought somebody the other night, right? I think that's, that's Yeah, he sure something. did. It's the first time I noticed him in a while. But yeah. <laughs> that's that same, but <laughs> yeah. So I guess on that on that note, the other guy that um, maybe the Kraken were looking at uh, other than Jeremy Lozon, uh, Jakob Zaborl. Um, he he been playing a couple of games and looked pretty good. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I went to his evolving hockey page just to kind of see. Obviously, small sample size, but um, good fancy stats, both offensive and defensive, so far for the few games he's played. Um, I've always liked him from an eye test standpoint. I mean, he he's bad when he's bad. Like, you'll see the mistakes he makes. But if he's playing mistake-free hockey, which he hasn't really done so far, he's made a couple of, of errors that haven't really resulted in anything bad yet. But um, the he's a guy whose game I, I really like if he pulls it all together. Yeah, I haven't seen much of him this year, but I remember last year thinking he was pretty rough. And a lot of it, like, I don't think they put him in a great position to succeed, though, either. Like, they were kind of just like, all right, like, young guys, it's your time now. And then they just didn't really help them at any point. Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't, again, I haven't really seen him much this year. But, like, I was generally, like, unimpressed last season when I saw him a lot more. That's fair. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I do think he's been better this season. Um, I think especially... Maybe it's like comparison thing where it's like, all right, do we want Derek Forward out there or do we want Zboro? Like, I see some more upside with Zboro. Maybe we're overrating. Like, hey, he didn't look terrible tonight, or he did a couple of good things there. So let's give him, you know, give him the shot over Forward because what are we getting out of him? But equally um, fun name, so that's ones. that's true. Yeah, um, I I think I think Zboro's got the slight edge there, but it, they're both uh, when you add in the Boston accent to Forward, it. It makes it love it, love it. Um, but yeah, I have been a bit more impressed at his world this year. But like Chris said, I mean, we're only we're only three games into the season at this point, so it's not too much going on yet. Famously, only four games into the season. Yeah, we uh, we did that episode that was it's only been four games, but we 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 can call this one. It's only been three games. It's It's still only been four. Countdown. Um. Who's the real expansion team that's playing their first games ever? The Bruins or the Kraken? <laughs> the Bruins haven't played since 1973, so it's been, it's been pretty tough. Um, 
what a year. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that um, that's been interesting on the blue line has been Cassidy putting Fors brand with uh, with McAvoy, but um, you mentioned the fancy stats liking Forbort, but uh, fancy stats absolutely love the McAvoy Grizzly pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and... the fancy stats love Boston University as they should. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, they all went to BU, so. Um, yeah, so I, I guess one of the things that, that I have posited uh, is that just that that pairing works really well, not necessarily because Matt Grizzlick is so good, but because they just have this kind of chemistry. And and Matt Grizzlick is for sure a good player, but if you put him on the third pairing, he's not going to carry anybody and make them better. I think he's just a, a pretty exquisite zone exit guy um but aside from that i think just works really well with mcavoy and i think like both mcavoy and forbert look worse when they're playing together so i'm i'm just curious on your thoughts of that and like why bruce cassidy's like very stubborn about trying to split up uh two guys that look pretty good together i don't know i mean i kind of feel like Cassidy's always been a little reluctant to put those two together for whatever reason. Like I remember that discussion going on forever and ever. Um, even like when McAvoy was on with Chara um, and then during the playoffs, like people were like put McAvoy and Grizzly together. I don't know if it might be just like a hesitancy to over rely on that pairing and want to have more depth uh, throughout the entire D pairings or just not become too reliant on that group. I mean, we've seen before, like, before the Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line become like what it is now. Like at times they really wanted to try Pasternak on with Krejci just to like move that depth through the lineup. So I kind of wonder if it's something similar to that. And Cassidy can be stubborn sometimes. Like once he gets an idea of how he wants to do stuff in his head coaching wise, he really kind of forces that through a lot of the time. So I think it's just a matter of like not wanting to become overly reliant on that pairing. I'm pretty sure I said uh, I made a very similar comparison on the last episode where like Pasternak works with that top line. Just don't mm-hmm. touch it. <laughs> the other reason is Bruce Cassidy hates Boston university. You heard it here first. Yep. Mm. That's, that's the real reason. He's the anti-bean pod guy in general. He actually, he applied to be you. And they, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let him in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you got Ryan Donato out of town. He just hates the bean pot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you guys got anything else on the Bruins? Um, are they going to win the Stanley? No. Uh, yeah, no, I got nothing really. You know, the Seattle Kraken are. Yeah. All no, right. Yeah. Bruins Kraken Cup what Finals. A, oh you heard it here first. Well, that, would, that would be too much for me. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. That's all right. I don't think you have too much to worry about probably in either, in either corner <laughs> there. So. I don't know. 2018-19 Blues have something to say about that. Yeah, that's, that's I made fair. a comparison. I wrote about it yesterday. I talked to Vince Dunn about it. I was like, you saw a team go from literally to worst in the league to a cup champion. Like, how does that happen? And then he didn't really explain anything. But I asked him about it. Um, and they have two of those guys on the Kraken between Dunn and Jaden Schwartz. So, like, they've seen a lot worse. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Well, well, have they played in Buffalo? <laughs> I mean, have I'm sure they played, played in Buffalo. Oh, have they played in? No, that's only Will Borgen, who never plays and might be a ghost. <laughs> I, honestly, I 
I, when I saw that pick, I just assumed that they didn't want any piece of a player who actually had to play in lineups in Buffalo because they didn't want any of that stink on them. Well, after like Taylor Hall went to Boston, like I felt like every day he was talking about like I found a new reason to like be alive and like <laughs> the air smells sweeter and the colors look brighter. And it's like, man, how bad is it there? Then you see Eichel in Vegas and like he just seems like a happier person. And it's like, what what's that Buffalo team like? It had to be really bad. Like, forget the uh, Maple Leafs documentary. I want a documentary on the Sabres. Oof. Yeah, that probably yeah. would be good in like a it'd be like a true crime doc way. Yeah. It's like it's painful to watch, know, but like, it's entertaining. Like, <laughs> how, I, I don't even know. Like, how would you cover a team like that? How do you just like ask guys like, is this like super depressing? Like every day. <laughs> So my my roommate is a Sabres fan, and she's like diehard, like all Buffalo, like all the time, and she has taken the year off. <laughs> Good for her. Which I think is great mental health. <laughs> it's literally a mental health break. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we should all be so lucky. Um, I will say this about the Sabres. I think Don Granado is a good coach, and he's doing a good job given what they have. Yeah. Yeah. They, I feel it's like it's my official Sabres take. Yeah, <laughs> official statement on the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, think I that's mean, their, their next tweet, actually. While while we're talking Sabres NHL team. at large, uh, do you have any like things that have surprised you so far in the season? I feel like every single time I watch a game, I get frustrated that they're not calling cross checking calls after they acted like they were going to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my brain. That's um, the classic NHL. Like, hey, we're gonna act like we're, we're doing gonna, things for like two weeks. And I wrote this year. The year. I wrote because the Kraken had a preseason game where there were like five prospect calls. So I asked a bunch of guys about it. They were just kind of like, we're not that worried. And then I went and I looked at like the slashing mandate from a few years ago, and I'm like, all right, so they're gonna forget about this, and they have. So like every game, I feel like I'm pointing out to everyone in the press box that was a cross check. We are just not seeing it called. Um, that's my official statement on the NHL season. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's so early because, like, we've seen, like, teams that are terrible at this point in the season obviously go on and win. We've seen teams slump, like, majorly and then ultimately just, like, totally collapse, like the Calgary Flames last year. It's so weird because we haven't seen, like, the NHL in November in a while. So, like, trying to remember what it feels like to be at this point in the season. Um, it's too early to, like, have – takes and it's too late to be like nothing matters so kind of like that weird point in the nhl see like people keep asking what, what's going to happen with the kraken and i'm just like i don't know they might never win again or they might just like make the playoffs i i don't know i was like looking at the the standings earlier today and i had like a very similar feeling i think it was like i didn't put the pieces together but like we haven't watched nhl hockey in november in so long where i was like all right, you know, here's where the Bruins are. You know, like we're behind the Red Wings and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, obviously there's so much of the season left. But, like, of course, we're three games or, you know, whatever it is, 13 games in the season that the Bruins are. It's, like, it does, it's not like it doesn't matter at this point because, you know, you don't have a full sample size. I'm not really ready to judge this team yet. But these are still meaningful. You know, it's not two games in the season where the, you know, the four points or whatever – don't mean that much like it, it's starting to be a little bit meaningful at this point mm-hmm. and i'm just not sure what to make of it maybe again that's because of all the question marks of the bruins like the last couple of years it's oh they started hot and they started slow but we pretty much know what we have here they're gonna eventually adjust to the mean there so i think part of that was just the uncertainty of like i'm not sure what the mean is here for the bruins this year but 
I was having kind of similar trouble. Like, how much do I weigh the 13 games that we've seen so far? I, I really don't know at this point. As someone who has seen the Bruins a lot, uh, they'll probably be fine. I do think so, yeah. I think we've been – our official take has been like like fringe mid-tier playoff team. They'll be fine. Everyone will get excited. They'll be dangerous. They'll look great in the first round and then ultimately lose in the second round in heartbreaking fashion. Yep. The Bruins hockey (laughs) experience. There we go. Sounds good. We'll probably just like lose to Tampa, right, as people think like, oh, the Bruins are a dark horse. They're going to make a run, and then they'll lose to Tampa in five games. That's good. I needed that reality check, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. yeah. <laughs> Drew's about to get a Stanley Cup champions tattoo. So, <laughs> well, I have it. I have the two o two, you know, already in there. So it's just that final digit. So Drew just added to his ass tattoo list. He's got the uh, the Chara and the bunny costume. He's got. Uh, I got Swayman and Clifton kissing. kissing. Yeah. That won the vote. It was either them dressed up as Kiss or them kissing. <laughs> kissing one, I think it was like fifty six percent. One of our more deranged Twitter polls. Oh, um, uh, we we. It wasn't. <laughs> the Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer just to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win a 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restricted supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. A gambling problem called winning hard gambler. Um, so we open with them last episode. We're going to close with them this episode. Uh, the Boston Pride, um, a little less fun than sweeping the rival white caps last week. Unless, of course, you love Emily Fluke, in which case it's very fun. I do love Emily Fluke. She's the only uh, PHF player other than Mal who follows me. <laughs> so... As I tweeted um, earlier, like yesterday, like Taylor Swift invented revenge, but Emily Fluke perfected it. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, Pride uh, split with the whale this past weekend. Um, I, I think it's kind of followed the the path of, of last weekend where the first game was a little more exciting if you're a Pride fan. Second game, woof. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the takeaway from the the Saturday game is uh, Christina Putinia just taking over at the, the best end of- number 21 in Boston pride history. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> well, you know, the other number 21 was Hillary Knight. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then, then finishing it off in overtime uh, and then waving goodbye and then, uh, you know, reaping what she sowed the next day. It doesn't matter. It was worth it. <laughs> it was. Um, do, do you have any takeaways uh, early on in the season from from watching the Pride so far? Yeah, they're probably just going to beat everyone again because they just do that. 
Um, the the um, thing that's interesting to me, because like it's a great problem to have with the three goalies, obviously. And they've kind of acted like it'll be fine no matter what. But I do have questions about it. Like I have questions, too. Please provide I, answers, Marissa. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, Victoria Hansen's a great goalie. She's really good. And, like, I get, like, Katie Burt's obviously been, like, one of the best goalies in pro hockey for a bit until she went to the PWHPA and just wasn't anymore. But I just wonder about her earning that spot ahead of Victoria Hansen so quickly. Like, and not just because she's BC and Hansen's BU, nothing to do with that at all. But at the same time, like, you wonder about chemistry and, like, Paul Mara knows what he's doing. He's not going to bring in someone that's going to disrupt anything. But you do wonder, like, they built this whole team where, like, the whole mantra the past couple of years has been, like, we all love to be here. We all want to be here. Like, they've said that so many times. Then you bring back Bert, who was pretty vocally against the whole NWHL thing for a while. And now she's there and she's playing in a game. And I just, like, there has to be a dynamic there. Like, there just has to be. They're human beings still. So uh, that's something I just have uh, feelings about. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting to watch her uh, play so far this year because it's it's kind of been weird. Uh, she looked like she played pretty well against the Whitecaps, but it was a little bit of a – just a, a weird game where – It was, you know, but you don't shut out the Whitecaps by accident either. Like, yeah, credit where it's due, but still, like, I don't know. I just feel weird about it. It was it was the second, second game in a row. Um, I mean – Shouts to Amanda Levier who played back to back and just looked excellent in in that second game. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think she looked like decent in in her second performance against uh, against the whale. Um, but but at the same time, I, I feel like you know Victoria Hansen could have done that as well. So. I don't know. I, I I like Victoria Hansen a lot, and I uh, it's a very weird situation. Is there anything like with the Olympics going on where it might be Salander has to go play somewhere else for a while? And I that's- thought about that. Then I brought it up to someone, and they said not really because they have the break built in. So I don't really fully know. Like that might be a good answer, but it's not the answer I've gotten when I've asked about it. So. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I like, I just think the Boston Pride are always going to be fine because they generally are. Even like last year, they came out really bad in Lake Placid. And the whole, like every time I talked to anyone there, they were just like, yeah, we're just like generally unconcerned. And it's not like the Kraken talking about being unconcerned right now where it's like, well, you should be like, they're, the Pride were always going to be fine. And then they were. Um, I actually asked Mara about it before the year. I was like, how do you avoid coming out like that again? And he said, well, we did that in preseason, so we got it out of us. And I, kind of, <laughs> I believe that because you look at game one and game two, like they look pretty good. Um, as far as a loss to Connecticut, like it's not like previous years where like there's parity now, like legitimately like the worst team in the league is going to be able to win games. Like it's not the years of the Connecticut Whale getting two wins all year, and especially because the Whale are good now, too. Um, like that's a tough hockey team. Like they're going to be. Yeah, they got some good players. They're going to be top three in the league at the end of the day, I think. Like I really. Mark Marshman's really, a great get for them. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. Um, I think they're better than Toronto at the end of the day. And I don't think Buffalo or Metropolitan are going to be like that good. But again, it's just a league where everyone can kind of win games. So there's less reason to panic when the pride lose. And like, 
you look at it first couple of years where they went undefeated, almost undefeated. And like they had that one loss at the end of the year to the Riveters and that kind of sent them into a spiral and they end up losing to Buffalo um, in the Isabel cup. Like it's not like that anymore. It's just more competitive. Um, but again, like my general philosophy is the pride are always going to be fine. It's like uh, the Patriots back when they had Tom Brady, like there's nothing really to worry about at the end of the day. Like a loss happens. It's a good league. They'll be fine. Like, on the list of my concerns in the world of Boston Pride are at the bottom of this. They seem to react to adversity so well, and not just from a game-to-game standpoint, but even in-game. It's like they'll, they'll go through a couple rough stretches, but like you said, I'm never concerned that it's going to stretch, which is not something that I can say about other Boston hockey teams. There's Their ability to bounce back when they run into those issues just seems unparalleled at this point. And, like, even in Lake Placid, like you were saying, they came out to a pretty bad start. And I was remember watching and being like, "Oh man, like, is this gonna last?" And and even like the, the second they started to like plant a little bit of doubt into my mind, it just turned around again. So I maybe it's like a, we're just riding the high right now, and it's just like willing ignorance. But it does feel like they can handle any any kind of adversity that comes their way right now. Yeah, and I just remember during the whole like placid stuff, just being like genuinely struck by how like this isn't bothering them. They just know it's going to get better and they have that genuine belief. And again, not in a weird, like arrogant or like ignoring things way. They just like knew they had it in them and they did. And like, I just, I think Mara does such a tremendous job there. I think he's such a tremendous coach and, and just like the leadership group there, like you have Kaylee Fratkin and Jillian Dempsey, like, I don't know what more you can want. So yeah, um, yeah, they are a team that just responds so well. I mean, last year they kept calling it like revenge season and it looked like I was going to blow up on them and then it worked out. So um, I just kind of learned to not really be worried about them until uh, they give a reason to be. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I noticed last year and also in the short period of time this year that we've gotten to see them is um, it'll be like, they won't score on a, they'll get a bunch of power play opportunities and they won't score for a bunch in a row. And then suddenly three power plays in a row, they'll score and then, and then everything's fine. And I I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I mean, they've had power play issues for as long as I can remember. It always seems like it takes them a bit to get going there. Um, But yeah, they do a good job responding. Like I have no doubt in my mind they're going to take this loss to Connecticut personally. And next time they play them it's not like um they'll run up to score a little bit if they can help it <laughs> like that <laughs> it just seems to be like their entire vibe yeah it's it's a vibe i vibe with <laughs> yeah absolutely their ability to back it up is just it's it's fun to watch as a fan obviously i mean there's those teams that like like it's almost like a like the peak for for me is like like Yankees fans in baseball are always like, oh, we're going to be fine. We're the Yankees. But it's, you know, it's like, well, you guys haven't done shit in fucking 11, you know, 12 years now. So like at some point you can talk about it, but you can't back it up. (laughs) It it happens on a Boston podcast. (laughs) Um, You know, like the the ability to actually back it up where Boston, they say, you know, they have that kind of swagger of, oh, it doesn't matter where the pride are going to be fine, but they do back it up. And that's, that's so rewarding as a fan because anytime, like last week, when you get hit, you just know you're going to hit them back harder next time. So it's give you something to look forward to for sure. Yeah, one of the things I was worried about coming into this season was uh, center depth, having lost Lexi Lang. Um, and I, I mean, it it could be an issue at some point down the line, but hasn't really been an issue so far. Um, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I always feel like whatever the pride lose someone like losing Mary Parker too, obviously, just like not having her presence there like really hurts. But they just always seem to like pull these players out of not nowhere, but they always just seem to have like people there. Like um, I think Taylor Winkowski is like the next player who's just going to become like McKenna Brand. Like there you go. Yeah, uh, UNH alum. Um, I think she's kind of like, and we, I think we kind of saw her like coming out party a little bit, scoring the game winning goal in the Isabel cup. And then I think that's just going to set her off. Like she's, I think she's going to be like that next star. And obviously like Sammy Davis in her second year, like that does make a difference year to year. Like players do get more comfortable, especially in like a real season and not like the weird bubble and everyone having COVID and just everything being a nightmare. Um, that's, hopefully avoidable this year a lot more um not only because they all had covid um i remember that like just after the whole like placid thing and then they were trying to come back and play the games in boston i was asking a player about like do you feel safe and she was just like yeah well we already all had covid so like no one can get it again and just being like that's like the darkest thing i've ever they, heard they were like all joking on instagram about having covid for the entire time. Yeah, I remember that quote and it was like serious. Like, I'm not scared anymore because everyone already had it. And it was just like, that's making me upset. Um, I just like never want to cover for anything like that to ever happen again. That was like my least favorite thing of all time. Um the Florida mentality. Yeah. <laughs> it was just horrific. I almost went and then I was really glad I didn't. Um, but yeah, as far as like I I think Depry had always kind of have that depth. And, like, this is a very just, like, women's hockey thing. It feels like if they ever needed more, they could just kind of go sign whoever they need. Like, I know they were turning away some PW players in the offseason who wanted to sign, and they were just like, we're good. That is uh, extremely cool. <laughs> like, we're fine. Like, we have this group. The chemistry's there. Um, again, there's nothing I'm less worried about than the pride. That's, I mean, that's excellent to hear. <laughs> uh, the crack yeah. and a little worried. The pride, not. <laughs> something well, I was, something I was just thinking. It randomly came to mind throughout this conversation, but in uh, something we definitely talked about a lot last season with uh, Lake Placid was you know growing the women's game and how Twitch was awesome for that. Um, but just like moving forward, obviously that's always a goal to grow the game. And something I was just randomly thinking was that I went to a. Uh, Wow, I almost said Seattle Mariners, Maine Mariners game, uh, ECHL, and I, I was just a thinking Seattle Mariners game. <laughs> um, I have not actually. Maybe at Fenway, who knows? Um, go. but like you know, that's a it, it might work better in New England than maybe for some of these other teams. But like, why don't the Pride play like a weekend series in Portland, Maine? You know, just like grow grow the game a bit, have it be well, more. Well, they have the best facility in the league, so. That, that's that's true but like it's a marquee place to play in the phf i mean minnesota has a nice rank too but like and i say this like not trying to be disrespectful but you look at where like metro's playing and you look at like where connecticut's playing and it's just kind of like the pride are pretty lucky to be where they are yeah shots at, shots at danbury <laughs> i've been to that rank it's the coldest place i've ever been in my life I think I've played at that rink, and yeah, <laughs> it's cold. You didn't really have a great time. No. Oh, I also, I'm pretty sure I played there when I was in Maryland. We got shit on, so that probably didn't help either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's also cold. <laughs> All right. Uh, Marissa, anything you want to plug before we say goodbye? Um, 
subscribe to the Seattle Times. I write in there a lot. It's a good time. It's a good times. Uh, Just right. promo code Brews and Bruins when you sign up. For this, yeah. <laughs> it was like one dollar a month, I think. I don't know. I don't have to pay for it, so. Um, but it's good. And not only me. Like I'm a wonderful part of it, but it's a good newspaper. Oh, I guess before we let you go, I had one other thing I wanted to talk yeah. about. It's lacrosse. Oh hell yeah! So I I feel like I was looking at your Wikipedia page like maybe a year ago or something. I don't something. have one anymore. They got rid of it. Oh, no. They deem me irrelevant. Well, okay. Well, it was funny we'll I change that. It in I our eyes. It, <laughs> and then it was just there and it was gone. I was like, okay, I had nothing to do with it. We're going to start in our eyes. You we'll we'll get it going. We'll get it going. I don't need it. It was, our it was circle a lot. Twitter. But I, I believe it said on there somewhere that you were the one who broke the news that San Diego was going oh, to I have sure an NLL team. Would you like to elaborate on that? Oh man, um, that was a weird time in my life. Um, that was like when I was between, like I had run a lacrosse website as a teen and then I didn't anymore. And I was working at the Boston Globe doing high school sports while I was in college. But like people still associated with me with lacrosse a lot. And I got like an anonymous tip and I get a lot of weird anonymous emails, but they were like, the NLL is going to go to San Diego. And I ignored it for like three days. And then I was just like, I don't know. I'll just like look into it. And then it was true. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like what else? And then the fun part about that story is I also included, like I found out about Halifax and Fort Worth and like all this stuff. And I put it all in the story of like, here's just like what the NLL is going to do. And this was in like, um, 2017. Um, like Philly was in it and a lot of like, so it was funny because like I did this story of like, here's what's going to happen. It's been like triple verified. Sorry. Like, it's just true. And then like, there were people in the league who got like really mad about it. And people kept trying to like discredit me and call me a blogger. And like, but what was weird was like, it was true and they knew it was. So then it got announced like three months later and no one backtracked. <laughs> it was like, it was so weird. Cause I was like, yeah, we know. Like I, I told you guys, but then they were like, no, that's not true. And then it just was. And they were like on the press releases and like in the press conferences talking about how happy they were. And it's like, you said it wasn't true on Twitter like a month ago. Like, this is so weird. So um, very weird time in my life. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a San Diego Seals fan for life. Oh, hell yeah. That's uh, such a weird way to like, <laughs> like, you're trying to drop interest for a new team. They're like, I nope, mean, like, definitely yeah. doesn't exist. Doesn't exist until this date. Can't exist till that date. <laughs> and then that, that, that day comes around. Like, everybody come watch us now. Lacrosse will always be the way it is. I don't know. I well, love I'm, I'm a San Diego Seals uh, season ticket holder. Um, oh, nice. If anybody, if anybody is ever in San Diego and uh, wants to go to a game, I got an extra ticket. I have a Seals hat. I Me felt too. obligated to buy it at that point. Chris, I, I think, forgot to. Oh. I think indoor lacrosse is like one of the most fun sports there is. I mean, outdoor lacrosse is great, is. but indoor lacrosse is like the best combination of like hockey, oh, basketball. Here's another fun San Diego Seal story. So they had like a thing. It wasn't choose the name, it was like guess what the team name was going to be on Twitter. And I found out it was going to be Seals because I was like a reporter. But I decided just to like put it in the guess just for fun. <laughs> But because of that, like, and everyone kind of like had a feeling it would be seals, like they hinted kind of heavily at it, which is why I didn't feel bad about just doing it kind of as a joke. But then everyone who guessed correctly, like, were getting emails of like, congrats, you guessed correctly, like enter a drawing now if you want. 
But because of that, I was on like the San Diego Seals like season ticket email list forever and ever. And I was like, that's a fair consequence for that behavior. Like, that's- <laughs> <laughs> you cannot uns- unsubscribe from that. Yeah, that was like, that's, that's fair. It was unfair of me to put that in the guess the name. So now I have to just hear from the seals until I die. That's fine. A blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, so everybody uh, check out your local uh, NLL team. <laughs> yeah, it's actually great. Unless you're in New England and you don't have one anymore. Yes. Wait, we don't. Yeah, the Black Wolves moved to Albany. Oh, You're now the Firewolves. Damn it. Yeah, it's they'll move soon. No professional team last I was like, I was kind of heartbroken by it. I was obsessed. All right. Well, my dog is screeching right now. So I'm gonna go take care of that. Marissa, thanks so much for uh for entertaining us. Yeah. I know we're Thank not always the easiest people to talk to, but oh no, you uh, guys are wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you're ever interested in coming back on, we'll uh, we'll have you back on. Yeah, we'll bug the shit out of you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a live time coming, so thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, that's been Bruising Brooms. Stop recording. Crack and brew.